Hello everyone, it's great to have you around Greatheart's Table again. I hope you find my occasional thoughts occasionally helpful. I'm glad to have the occasional opportunity to share them. Uh, there are some changes afoot on the podcast side for the new year that I'm excited about. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, I hope you fix that soon. Uh, this episode is a particularly sober one. Uh, when I addressed the reality of pastors exiting ministry a few episodes ago, I sensed that my thoughts were incomplete. I felt that I needed to point churches in a direction that would help their pastors thrive instead of leave. Uh, yeah, that requires some adjustments to how pastors view their work, but radical changes are necessary in churches as well. I'd love to know what you think. People are broken Believe me I Churches are driving away good pastors not because of COVID or politics. Pastors leave because they can no longer survive in the culture of the American church. When the unspoken question in the air is, are you giving us what we expect? Pastors struggle to breathe and many head for the door. Were the question to become, what do you need to thrive? Pastors would be able to breathe again and would be strengthened to press on. Now, this isn't a pity the pastor post. Pastoring will always be a hard calling. But if churches want to keep good pastors... They need to examine the culture that makes those pastors dream of escape. The 17th century Westminster Larger Catechism seems an unlikely advocate for a church culture that encourages pastoral thriving, but its reflection on the fifth commandment is intriguing in this regard. Its assessment of the sins of positional inferiors toward their superiors seems very applicable to the pastor-congregation dynamic. The Catechism says, The sins of inferiors, here read congregations, against their superiors or pastors, are envying at, contempt of, and rebellion against their persons and places in their lawful counsels, commands, and corrections, cursing, mocking, and all such refractory and scandalous carriage as proves a shame and dishonor to them and their government. Hmm. I've spoken with pastors who've had to battle factions within their churches who share a contempt for them. I've spoken with pastors combating congregants who rebel against or at least strongly resist their leadership. I know the dismay that arises when someone comes with criticism supported by reference to unnamed others. I tell young pastors that sometimes to persevere they need to outlast their critics. I shouldn't have to tell them that. But such an environment arises, the Catechism suggests, due to the neglect of the duties required towards superiors. What is neglected is the duty to honor a pastor. And what that means, the Catechism makes clear. The honor which congregations owe to their pastors is all due reverence in heart, word, and behavior, prayer and thanksgiving for them, imitation of their virtues and graces, willing obedience to their lawful commands and counsels, 
due submission to their corrections, fidelity to, defense, and maintenance of their persons and authority, bearing with their infirmities, and covering them in love. Hmm. Churches could do well to study this and to reflect on how it's being played out, if at all, in their churches beyond a -a once-a-year pastoral appreciation event. A church culture that is known for covering pastors in love will care more about their pastor's well-being than his or her performance, and will be a culture shaped primarily by the attitude and practice of the church's leadership, which in my world are called elders. So instead of asking or implying the question, what have you not been doing, elders should ask their pastors, what can we do to support you? (laughs) Pastors who are used to being judged and critiqued will be suspicious at first, but if asked honestly, they might risk an honest answer. If the elders truly listen to these answers, a way to cover pastors with love will open before them. I've had elders with whom conversation often ended in a message of where I was failing or not doing enough. I've had others who simply wanted to know me. I dreaded meeting with the first, the second I hungered for, and not surprisingly, the latter did more to make me a better pastor. A concern for pastoral thriving practiced by the leaders can shape a congregation, if it is seen. When an elder, for example, takes the lead in explaining and defending the pastor's salary increase, the congregation will be encouraged to honor and not be suspicious of their pastor. When important decisions, often reached by hard and energetic debate among the leaders, are presented to the congregation by an elder on behalf of a unified leadership, the pastor will feel shielded and supported and the congregation will be less likely to question the pastor's authority. Or, when pastoral expectations and goals have been clarified and agreed upon by the elders, and then those elders take the lead in making those expectations clear to the congregation, the pastor will feel that their person and authority will have been, as the catechism directs, defended and maintained. Such public leadership shapes the culture of the church, and enables pastors to breathe. I once had to communicate a very difficult and controversial judgment to our congregation. In order to show unity with me in support of the whole, my elders insisted that they literally stand next to me as I read that judgment. That act spoke loudly to me and to the congregation of the elders' defense of my authority. To be clear, My elders have no problem dismissing some of my inspired and world-changing ideas as tedious and unnecessary. But when such opposition comes in a culture of love and encouragement, it loses its sting. And they would not hesitate at all to call me out if I were being a jerk or in some other way abusing my pastoral office. Having had elders like this is one of the reasons that in now 38 years of ministry, I've only pastored two churches. I stay. Now, it's not COVID or recent political polarization that has driven pastors away. Those are only the sparks that finally set the tinder ablaze. It's toxic church culture that's to blame. When that changes, pastors will stay and pastors will thrive. And when pastors thrive, 
so too will their congregations. Great Hearts Table is published on the first, second, and fourth Mondays of each month in both audio and print format. Thanks to Over the Rhine for permission to use their wonderful songs, All My Favorite People, and Called Home. And thanks to you for listening. I am Randy Greenwald, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. Just shy of breaking down, there's a bend in the road that I have found called home. Take a left at loneliness, there's a place to find forgiveness called home.